Amen. Well, friends, uh, every year for about the last six years, around the turn of the new year, we've taken a, a morning uh, worship service to focus on prayer. Uh, this is by design, and so if you've been with us regularly over the years, you're likely growing more and more accustomed to this pattern in our worship, and maybe you came today ready uh, to spend some time thinking about praying and to praying together in worship, and if so, great. Uh, that morning of prayer has come again today, the first Sunday of this new year. Now, in the past, when we've done this on Sunday mornings, we've prayed in small groups. We've prayed uh, privately or individually. Most of the time, I'll lead us through sections of guided prayer together as a church. But today, I I want to do something just a little bit different. Uh, Today, I hope to to teach us something from Scripture and demonstrate something from Scripture, uh, an important aspect of prayer that has been a big help to my own personal praying. Not because this is an easy fix to praying or silver bullet that you can start doing and it'll just totally revolutionize your your prayer life, but because this thing makes me, this practice makes me think hard in prayer and it makes me lean even more into my relationship with God when I'm praying and it causes me to stop praying or helps me maybe to stop praying the same old things about the same old things when I pray. This one little thing, this one little practice has, I hope, forever change the way that I think about praying, change the way that I do pray and change my approach to God in prayer. And I hope that it will be helpful to you also. I want to introduce this idea, this idea to us. I want to show how we see it displayed and even practiced in scripture. And then I want to lead us through a time of praying accordingly with uh, some prompting along the way. So, so there'll be some teaching and, and some exploration of scripture, some illustration and application of what we're seeing. And then we're going to spend a chunk of time uh, in our worship service this morning praying. And this one little thing, this one little practice that has changed the way that I pray has been to add the word because to my praying. That is to say, to give specific reasons to God when I'm praying for why I worship Him in prayer, for why I'm confessing the sins that I've committed, for why I am thankful to Him, and especially why I think it is good and right for Him to answer my prayers for help. This also is not my own idea, so I I can't take credit for this. The Baptist theologian and professor Donald Whitney wrote in an article in 2020, Uh, that I came across just in the last couple of months. He wrote these words. Uh, It's a short article uh, on uh, crossway.org's website. Uh, It's called 10 Things You Should Know About Prayer. This is the sixth, I think, of the 10 things that you should know about prayer. He says this, in the Bible, almost every prayer includes a reason why God should answer. When I first read that, I thought, is that true? He says, the general reason why we could ever expect God to hear our prayers is because access to God is given to believers in Christ on the basis of what Jesus has done for us. John 14, 6, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Hebrews chapter, nine, uh, chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, the author of Hebrews is, is speaking to the churches to whom he is writing, reminding them of the great priestly work, the mediatorial work that Christ has done on the cross, that he is not only our great high priest, but also our perfect sacrifice for sins, has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And now, because of the privilege given to us in, in Jesus and through Jesus and by our faith in him, we can come with confidence before the throne of God, expecting God to hear our prayers offered in Jesus' name. Donald Whitney continues, he says, beyond this uh, expectation for God to answer because we pray in Jesus' name, 
The Bible teaches by example in almost every prayer recorded in Scripture that we should give to God a specific reason why he should answer. One of the many possible examples is the prayer of Jacob in Genesis 32, 11, and 12, where he pleads a promise from God as a reason why he should answer. Other reasons given in prayer why God should answer include an appeal to one of God's attributes, His glory, our relationship to God, appealing to the fact that the request is God's will, and, and so on. When I first heard this from Donald Whitney just a couple of months ago, it made me stop. I was actually I was listening to an, a podcast of him reading this article, and, and, I, and I paused that podcast right there, and I, I rewinded it um, because I, I had to hear all of that part again. I thought... Give God a specific reason why he should answer. And I started thinking, is that a thing that I do in prayer? And I also think, is that a biblical thing? And surveying uh, scripture, I see, yes, it is a biblical thing. We see that regularly. So I started practicing it. Now, maybe this is an old idea to you. Maybe this is something you've been doing for a long time. When you pray, praying because. And, And I suppose it's something I did in prayer often enough, but it wasn't something that I gave intentional thought to when I was praying. So I started over the last couple of months in prayer to imagine with every request I made of God, him sitting next to me. Now we know God is present everywhere all the time. He hears all of our prayers. And so God is present with us when we are praying. But I started to imagine him just sitting literally next to me. And with every request I made of him, imagining God saying to me, why, Stephen? (laughs) And, And not as though God doesn't know why I'm asking. He does know why I'm asking. But sometimes I don't know why I'm asking. And what's more, I'm not always thinking about why I should expect God to answer my requests. As parents, we understand the importance of our children knowing why they're asking for something from us and what they intend to do with whatever it is that we give them or whatever it is that they're asking for, if, if we should give it to them. Um, I have four children. The youngest of mine, is uh, he'll, he'll be five here in a couple of weeks, and he loves markers and drawing and coloring and writing things, especially his name, which is really good. Sometimes it's in the right order. Sometimes it's backwards, but we got all the letters in there and that's good. And often my son will come asking me for a marker. Now, if you know five-year-old boys, you know that five-year-old boys track record with markers is not particularly good. They tend to do things with markers that you're not supposed to do, like color on the walls and furniture and that sort of thing. So when my son comes to me and says, dad, can I have a marker? My first question is always, why? What, what do you intend to do with this device of destruction? I mean, art, construction. Now, if my son is honest with me and he says, well, I'm going to go color on the walls. Well, my response is me, absolutely not. I'm not going to give you what you're asking for because markers aren't meant to be to, to color on the walls, at least not in our house. Maybe in your house, those are your rules. That's fine. In our house, we don't color on the walls with markers. If that's what he wants to do with a marker, I'm not going to answer his request. But if he says something to me like, I want to practice writing my name and I want to write a letter to mom and draw her a picture to show her how much I love her. Well, my answer is going to be, of course, son, here are all of the markers. Let's, let's go to Walmart and buy new markers for, so you can show your mom how much you love her because I love her too. And if I can help you show your demonstration of love to her, wonderful. I'm happy to answer your request. But it all depends on what he wants to do with what I'm going to give him and whether his will for for what he wants with what I can give him matches my will for what I want to give him. Maybe a better illustration will be if you you happen to work for uh, an organization or a company where around budget construction time each year, you have to put in a a requisition for money to your company to fund your department. 
uh, or if you work for a government contractor, you have to write a, a project request or a project outlay for, uh, for the government who's going to give you money to do some sort of project. And in that expense requisition, in that budget requisition, you're going to give reasons and intentions and implications for what you're going to do with your employer's money or with the government's money if they're, if they're giving you some, uh, uh, some, some uh, expenses to work with. If you're asking for you know, half a million dollars for a particular project, your employer or the government who's probably giving you that money is going to want to know if, if what you're going to do with that half a million dollars is going to fill out their expectations and, uh, for what you are doing or if it's going to fulfill the terms of the contract that you have with them, if the project you're going to work on is actually going to advance the purpose of the organization. And if your intention and, and, and your outline, your, your, your project prospectus, fulfills their expectations or, or maybe exceeds it, they're likely going to give you that money and maybe even more so you can do even more with it. But if you want to take that half a million dollars and just spend it all on lunch with your coworkers and uh, you know, coffee stops and that sort of thing along the way, you're probably not going to get it at all. So asking for things with, with an intention that matches the intention of the one that we're asking it uh, from or for has everything to do with whether or not we can expect an answer. And I think, friends, we can expect that this sort of thing works the same way in our relationship with God and prayer. If we are asking for things that we know are God's will and, and that we know God delights in answering, we can, expect, we can expect an answer from Him. If we begin to pray, God, I'm praying this, I'm asking for this because you said, because your word has shown me that, because you promised, because this is your will for people, we are more likely to expect a positive answer. And we know God desires to answer the prayers that are offered to him in accordance with his will and by faith in Jesus' name. In John 14, Jesus said in verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, any, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this does not mean that we can add in Jesus' name, amen, to the end of every prayer like some sort of magical incantation that automatically forces God to do whatever we just asked him to do. When Jesus says, if you pray anything in my name, what he's saying is, if you pray anything in accordance with my character, uh, on behalf of the authority that I've given to you by trusting in me, if you ask uh, anything in accordance with my will, with who I am, with my nature, I'll answer it, right? Because it's, it's, it's who I am, it's what I want to do. Furthermore, Jesus instructs his disciples to pray with perseverance, expecting God to answer. So God desires to answer prayers offered in Christ's name, and Jesus instructs his disciples to pray with perseverance. In Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, Jesus, after teaching his disciples how to pray, says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So we pray in Jesus' name, we pray trusting in Him. We pray persistently, asking God to answer our prayer or to change our prayer so that we'll pray rightly. We also know that sometimes there's not an answer to our prayer because we pray wrongly or we ask about the wrong things. James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Again, Donald Whitney has written that when we pray, and God does not seem to answer that, we must learn to examine our prayers. When asking for things outside of the will, are we asking things outside of the will of God or that would not glorify Him? Are we praying with selfish motives? 
Are we failing to deal with the kind of blatant sin that causes God to put all of our prayers on hold? The truth is that God wants to answer these prayers that glorify Himself. He wants to answer those prayers that provide for the genuine needs of His people. And He wants to answer those prayers that lead to the lost being saved and the broken being made whole in Jesus. So praying with a specific reason, giving God a specific reason for why we are praying and why we anticipate or expect that He will answer. Praying because, I believe, is a simple but not always easy a simple step to begin praying effective prayers that we can expect God will answer. So using the common pattern for prayer or acronym for prayer, ACTS, A-C-T-S, I want us this morning then to turn to Scripture to see how the Bible demonstrates that we should pray with a purpose. We should pray with a reason. We should pray because. God, I'm praying this because, fill in the blank. First of all, adoration. Uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Those are the four parts of praying in Acts, adoration or worship. We pray, God, I worship you because lots of different reasons. And to demonstrate this, we go to Psalm uh, 66, verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, I I encourage you to open them today. We'll be flipping around a little bit. Uh, Keep them open, even as we'll pray later in, uh, in, in worship together, uh, that we might use God's Word itself to guide our praying. Psalm 66, 1 through 7. If you're using one of the black Bibles under a seat in front of you, you'll find this on page 450. 450. Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. The psalmist says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face... I'm sorry, Psalm 66, not Psalm 67. Back up. Psalm 66, verses 1 through 7. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in His deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. When we pray, it is always good to start with adoration of God, worship of God, praising him for his great attributes. And when we do this, it is all the better to do it specifically, to be specific about it. The psalmist in Psalm 66 worships God because God's deeds are awesome. His power is great. He has redeemed his people. He is opposed to the wicked and those who despise him, and he looks on those who love him. Because of all of these things, the psalmist sings praise to God and calls others to do the same. When we pause to pray, Father, I worship you because and we give specific reasons why we praise Him, reasons that spring from God's own character, reasons that come out of God's own actions in the past, reasons that uh, are praising Him for His promises as revealed in Scripture, then we're not only praising God, but we're bringing our own soul to delight in and revere God for who He is. And if you find yourself only ever praising God for the same old things, if your prayer is are often something like, Father, I praise you for your faithfulness, your love, and your mercy. And that's what you pray. That's how you praise God every time you pray. Then we reveal that those, that, that, that those are the only things that we know about God. All I know about God is His faithfulness, His love, and His mercy. 
And not that those are bad things, but that's not all that God is. That's not all who He is. If you're prone to praise God repetitively for the same old things, use the Psalms, like Psalm 66, to help you praise also His justice, His power, His sovereignty, His kind correction, His salvation, His strength. Praise Him for His majesty and matchlessness among all created things and and more. The Psalms are exceptionally helpful for praying this way. So I encourage you to pray the Bible back in praise and worship to God using the Psalms as help. It's good to pray, God, I praise you, I worship you because, and to give Him specific reasons for why we praise Him. But we move to the second part of our praying, confession, confession of sin, adoration, then confession. In prayer, we ought to pray, God, I'm confessing my sin because, and give some reasons. Again, we stay in the Psalms, Psalm 51. You'll find this on page 443 of the Black Pew Bibles. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4, reads this. David, the psalmist, writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Psalm 51, all 19 verses of it, is a prayer of David, the king of Israel, after he had committed a sexual sin with and against Bathsheba, a woman who was not his wife. And after finding that she had become pregnant by his sin, David conspired to have her husband Uriah killed. And when confronted by his sin or confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan, David confesses his sin to God and repents. He turns from it. This psalm, Psalm 51, is the form of David's confession prayer. Confession of sin, friends, is necessary in prayer. Because it's our sin that ultimately removes us from fellowship with God and has placed us under His holy judgment and wrath. It is Christ's death for our sins at the cross, a sacrifice that is only applied to us when we place faith in Christ as Lord. It's Christ's death that brings about our forgiveness from sin and our restoration to God. So confessing sin is necessary because it recognizes that, first of all, we are not God. And it recognizes that God alone can forgive sin in any way that is ultimately saving. But even for the believer who's been saved by faith in Christ, who's been walking with Jesus for some time, confession of sin is necessary because we still battle against sin in our hearts. And we know that sinful actions and sinful attitudes threaten to prevent us from growing in godliness. Notice David says why he is confessing his sins in verse 3 of Psalm 51. He confesses uh, his sin because, for, I know my transgression and my sin is obvious to me. This is why I'm confessing my sins to you, God. It's obvious to me. It's right in front of my face. I can't ignore it anymore. But more than that, David confesses his sin to God because it is against God's holy character that he's ultimately and most greatly sinned against. I confess my sin because I've done what is evil in your sight, David is praying, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, David is not neglecting the fact that he has sinned against Bathsheba and also sinned against Uriah and having him killed, but he's recognizing his greatest sin is against the objective moral lawgiver, the objective standard of holiness himself, God. David is saying, 
You, I have fallen so far short of your holiness that my greatest sin is against you. Furthermore, he confesses his sin to God because he desires God to be justified and blameless in his judgment of sin. Verse 4, God, I'm confessing my sin to you because you are right in declaring I'm a sinner. David says in verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned, done what's evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. David says, I'm confessing my sin to you, God, because you have said, you've revealed that I'm a sinner and you're right. And, and I need to know that you're right. And I need to tell you that you're right because you are. I have sinned. Amen. We often confess sin when we're praying because we know that we've committed it. and We know that we cannot hide it from God. But sometimes we're only confessing sin because we're sorry we got caught and not with the intention to actually be changed. Later in the same psalm, David prays uh, in verse 7, Uh, through 10 of Psalm 51. He says, Purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David confesses his sin, not just because he got, got caught, but because he really, he really regrets, he's really sorrowful over his sin. He really is repenting, and he really wants to not sin anymore. So David confesses his sin, not just because he's sorry he got busted, but because he doesn't want to continue living this way. He confesses sin to God because God can not only forgive him, but God can change his heart to hate sin and to love holiness. He knows God can give him a new and a a just, that is a a justified spirit that seeks what is right and loves doing what is godly. Friend, when you confess your sin, do you confess for these reasons? Do you confess sin not just for a feeling of absolution for your guilt, but so that you can be made clean, so that you can be made whole, so you can be made holy? Do you confess your sin because you want to be cleansed the way that God has promised only He can and He will when we do? As John writes in uh, 1 John, his first letter to the church, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I worship you because give him specific reasons for your worship. God, I'm confessing my sin to you because, and give him specific reasons for why you're confessing it to him. And our third movement of prayer, thanksgiving. We pray, God, I'm thankful because, and we give him specific reasons for why we're thankful. Again, in the Psalms, Psalm 111, you'll find this on page 477 of uh, the chair Bibles. Psalm 111 reads this, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. 
He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Thankfulness and praise, thankfulness and worship are almost the same, but they are different. We praise God in prayer for His attributes, for His faithfulness, for His character. We worship Him in His power and might and salvation. We confess our sins in praying, and then in gratitude we shift to say not only that God is worthy of our worship, but to express our personal gratitude to God for what He has done. In Psalm 111, the psalmist thanks God with his whole heart because, here's his reason, because God has shown the psalmist his own power and splendor and majesty. It's something like, thank you, God, because you have shown me this about you. I'm grateful that you've revealed this to me. I thank you, God, because you have reminded me again of your faithfulness and your righteousness. I'm grateful to you, God, for saving your people, myself among them. I thank you, God, because you've provided what is needful for me and because you know me. These things inspire gratitude in my heart. And so for those, I say thank you. It's often easy for us to thank God in prayer, to say things like, thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for a good job. Thank you, God, for my church. These are all good things to thank God for. But I wonder how much our praying would be enriched if we added that one simple word again, because. Thank you, God, for my family, because they're a joy to me and a blessing from your hand. In our family, we get to practice grace and mercy and forgiveness and love in ways that we wouldn't if we didn't have a family. So God, thank you for this family. Thank you, God, for saving me because I was a sinner who needed saving. I was so lost and so determined to live apart from you. God, had I died in my sin, I would have spent eternity in hell apart from you. But you saved me. You brought me the gospel through other believers. You opened my eyes to see what you've done for me in Jesus. Yes, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you, God, for a good job. You said it's good to work, to be productive with our hands, and you've given us work by which we can provide for ourselves and our families. My job, God, is a means of your provision to me and to my family. Thank you for this job. Thank you, God, for my church. Because the church is the body and bride of Christ, it's with them that I get to serve you, that with them that I worship you. It's with them that I work to get the gospel to others that they might hear and believe and be saved. It's because of the church that I'm growing as a disciple of Jesus. God, thank you for these people you've brought around me. God, I thank you because, and give him good, hard, specific reasons. Dig deep into, your, in, into why you're grateful to God for what he's given to you. Finally, in praying, we often turn to supplication, asking God for what we need. We pray something like, God, help because, or God, do this for me, or provide this because. Again, we stay in the psalm, Psalm 143. We're going to look at a few, a few verses here, verses 1 through 4, uh, verses 7 and 8, and then verses 11 and 12. You'll find this on page 490. Uh, of, the, of the black Bibles in the seats. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. 
Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He's made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. Verse 7, answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for I trust in you. Make me know the way that I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Verse 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfastness, and in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. God, help, because supplication is that part of prayer where we ask God for what we need, or as we pray for others, where we ask for God's help for what they need. In Psalm 143, David, again, the psalmist, is praying for rescue from his enemies. But he doesn't ask mindlessly. Instead, he gives God a reason to answer. Did you see it? Hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. Answer me, Lord, because my enemies are about to destroy me, and I am all but dead. Answer me, Lord, because I'm coming to you and no one else. Because I'm trusting you, Lord, and no one else. You are my rock. You are my refuge. You are the only place I seek help because you've told me to. So God, help me. Save my life so that, here's the purpose in his prayer, save my life because I want to tell others about my rescue. And in so doing, your name will be glorified. Save me, God, because I long to serve you. This is where, friends, praying because has really hit home for, for me in my personal life and personal praying. Asking God to answer prayer because of who He is, because of what He has promised, because what He, uh, because what he has said He can do and will do if we ask. I often ask God to do things for me. I often ask for God's help in lots of situations where I don't know what to do. And I often will ask him, but I don't always give him a reason to answer, a reason that's grounded in, in his character, in his nature, in the promises of his word, in, in my, my, what I know of him by relationship with him through Christ and by his word. Often I just say, God help, but I don't know why. And sometimes that's okay if we don't know why, but, but I, I think it's good for us to pray mindfully and to expect God to answer our prayers because we're praying well, to answer our prayers for help because we're asking for help according to God's will and according to God's character. Praying because when we ask for what we need helps us to ask rightly. It's hard if we know God to pray this way about frivolous things. God, give me a Ferrari because you love Ferraris, right? Because I love Ferraris, right? I mean, asking God to answer our prayer for reasons that have, have no foundation in his nature, in his character, right? Very quickly, those, when we press into the reason for why we are asking and expecting God to answer, we can start to filter out a lot of frivolous praying. But praying because, God help because according to God's character, according to his nature, according to what he's revealed to us in his word, helps us to pray better about the same old things. Like, God, bless our missionaries. It's a prayer we pray often, but what if God was sitting next to us and we prayed that and he just responded, why? God, bless our missionaries. 
It's a nice prayer, friend. Why? Well, a prayer like that, when we're pressing into the nature of God, the character of God, what we know of him in his word, becomes something like this. God, give to our missionary friends, Lance and Carrie, Phil and Becca, who are in Vienna, give them all confidence in their work in Austria. They went there in obedience to your call to go, God, and they're doing what you have led them to do. So because you called them, give them assurance of their obedience. Because you called them and they were obedient, God, provide what they need. Because you're the source of all of our provision and you know what they need most and best and no one else can provide like you, God. So bless our missionary friends because they're being obedient to you and doing hard things in hard places with hard to reach people because you asked them to go. Praying this way also helps us to pray hard prayers better. God, would you heal little Mikey? Would you cure him of his cancer? I've been praying like this a long time, but God, you said in your word that you are a merciful God. And if ever someone needed your mercy today, it's Mikey and his mom and dad. So be merciful to him, God. And if God does not answer our prayer for Mikey's healing, we can still trust that God will be merciful in ways that glorify himself because that's who he is. That's what he does. So if God's demonstration of mercy doesn't match our, our expectation for his mercy, when he does give his mercy, because that's what we're praying for, whatever that looks like, we can trust that we'll see and understand it when it comes. Praying because when it comes to supplication and what we need from God, even helps us to pray for wisdom better. God, I have a choice to make about a job. I'm praying that you'll help me to know which one to take. Because both options that are before me are good, but I'm not sure which one is best. I'm not sure which one is most obedient to you. And you said in your word that if I need wisdom, that you would give it. So I'm asking you to help me think rightly about this. I'm asking you to help me to make a wise choice. Praying because helps us to pray for the same old things better. It helps us to pray for hard things better. It helps us to pray for wisdom better. Praying because helps us to pray for little things better. God, my son's having a tough time with this other kid at school. Because you're a God of peace, I'm asking that you would give him peace. I know that you look on the weak and the vulnerable, and he feels so vulnerable right now. So Lord, would you please intervene? Would you help in ways that I can't? Would you give peace to my son at school? It helps us to ask for salvation from sin with all confidence that God will actually answer. God, I'm a sinner. And I need you to save me. I'm so far from your perfect holiness and, and I see it and I know that I need rescue. I'm asking you to forgive my sin because I'm trusting in what Jesus did at the cross in becoming my sacrifice and my substitute. I'm asking you to save me because you promised in the Bible that if I call on Christ as Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, you promised in your word that I would be saved by you and I'm doing that. I'm calling on Christ as Lord. I'm believing you raised him from the dead. I'm trusting in his work on the cross for my forgiveness and nothing else. And you said, God, your word said that if I believe this and I'm trusting you this way, you would save me. So save me. You promised you would make me to be born again with a new spirit and to make your, your spirit to live in me and begin to make me holy from the inside out. So I'm trusting your word and I'm praying your word back to you in prayer, God, save me. We can pray like that with confidence that God will answer because he said in his word, it's what he wants to do. Amen. Now, praying this way, praying because, in, in each of these areas of our prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, is hard. 
Because it requires that we know the God to whom we're praying. This is why praying because requires us to pray with our Bibles open so that we can continue growing in our knowledge of God. But praying this way with confident expectation that God will answer because we're asking Him to do what He's promised or we're asking Him to act from a, uh, out of a clear aspect of His character that He's revealed to us or to do what He said He wills to do if we will ask. Friends, praying like this changes everything about how we pray. It causes us to, to really press into our relationship with the God to whom we're praying in ways that revolutionize and, and expand our understanding of Him. We have to do it with our Bibles open. That's how He's spoken to us. That's how He's revealed Himself to us. And in Christ His Son, we do it with our Bibles open. But, but we, we dig deep into our relationship and deep into the nature of God to pray specifically. So now I'm inviting all of us, where we are, to pray specifically, to pray because this morning. And, and give this a little bit of practice, right? It's one thing to teach on praying. It's another thing to do it. So today we're going to do both. I'm going to give us a, a prompt, a few prompts along the way, the same that we've seen in the, the, the main points of, of what we've seen observed in Scripture today. But give a prompt followed by time for you to pray silently or to pray quietly with someone next to you. You may want to gather together with a couple of people nearby to you. You may want to keep your Bibles open for help as you pray. And at each prompt along the way, there will also be some thoughts and passages uh, on the screens to guide you if you aren't sure why you ought to pray what you're praying, or if you're not sure what to pray, there are scriptural, biblical reasons uh, along with their, their references in Scripture for where you can find those. But I wanted us to try this together this morning. Uh, perhaps you, you're not sure how to pray this way today, and you, you want to use this time maybe just for personal reflection and meditation and asking God to help you to pray better because you want to pray better. Maybe you, there's a, something specific you want to worship God for, thank Him for, sins you need to confess, but you're not sure why or help that you need, but, but you don't know why you should expect God to answer, and you need to share that with another brother or sister or friend sitting next to you and, and ask them, I, I, I want to pray this, but I don't know why I should pray with confidence to God uh, or confidence believing God will answer. Help me find a place in Scripture to do this. So let's lean on each other in praying and, and uh, help one another as we do this. This may be a new thing for some of us, and so it might be awkward, but I want us to press into praying well and praying purposefully this morning. So with each